Hello, I'm Ellen Vince. Welcome to Impact, a podcast about how we can each bring about real change in the world and getting practical in making that happen. And hello, I'm Clive Johnson. A special welcome if you're listening for the first time, and a big thank you to our new subscribers. Each week, we look at one aspect of how we can connect our hearts to offer healing for others with our collective intention, prayers, and meditation, and talk about the critical happenings in our world that need our attention right now, some of which may not be making the headlines where you are. In the news, we'll be focusing this week a little bit on water, at the water crisis, how water is affecting the stories, because we're going to be talking about the global healing response focus for this quarter, which is water. The theme of the year is our planet. And a little bit more on our stories later, but right now we're going to, um, we're going to dive a little bit into water, right, Clive? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you, you have some wonderful facts about water that in sort of setting the scene, Yes, yes. Really uh, bring, brings home to us how, how critical this I, is. I, yeah, I started to do a little little bit of a deep dive into water um, this quarter since it is the theme of the global healing response. And here's some just quick facts for you to take with you, listeners. Water covers about 71% of the Earth's surface. 97% of the Earth's water is found in the oceans, So it's too salty to drink for growing crops or most industrial uses. 3% of the Earth's water is fresh, but 2.5% of the Earth's fresh water is unavailable. It's locked up in glaciers, polar ice caps, atmosphere, soil, highly polluted, or it lies too far under the Earth's surface to be extracted. So that means that point. 5% of the earth's water is available as fresh water. So if the world's water supply were only 100 liters, which makes it just easier to calculate this or 26 gallons, our usable water supply of fresh water would be only about 0.003 liters or one half a teaspoon. That's extraordinary, isn't it? And I guess with the, with the polar caps melting, um, there'll be a little getting, more. <laughs> it's, it's getting getting less, isn't it? And more people yeah. need, you know. Yes. Yes. Growing. Yes. We will find that out too. So, in it in our body, our eyes are ninety five percent water, hmm. and our total body weight is seventy five percent water. And I love the quote that thousands have lived without love, but not one without water. Yeah. And that's W.H. Auden. Um, how, tr- how true is that? We cannot live without water. No. And this was a sobering fact about water pollution to me. A gallon of paint or a quart of motor oil can seep into the earth and pollute 250,000 gallons of drinking water. My goodness. And a spilled gallon of gasoline can pollute 750,000 gallons of water. These are, these are mind-boggling, aren't they? These, mm-hmm. these, yeah. Yep. So water in crisis, there are 2.2 billion people who still live without safely managed drinking water. And roughly half of the world's population is experiencing severe water scarcity for at least part of the year. You know, sometimes droughts mm. and stuff make that worse. 
Water-related disasters have dominated the list of disasters over the past 50 years and account for 70% of all deaths related to natural disasters. So water can be our savior in our bodies and it can also wreak havoc outside of our bodies, right? That was from the UN talking about World Water Day, which is March 22nd, 2024. So I hope we all pay attention and mark that date on our calendars. And uh, there, there was an article about 19 solutions to the global freshwater crisis. And I'm just going to highlight a few of them. You know, one of them, as we know, is to educate, to change consumption, like take mm-hmm. shorter showers and, mm-hmm. you know, don't waste water when you're brushing your teeth, things like that. Um, we need to invent new water conservation technologies. Of course, recycle wastewater. Like some countries like Singapore are trying to recycle to cut water imports and become more self-sufficient with their water. And the, the East Asian Republic is a leader in developing advanced technology that cleanses wastewater for others, including drinking. We need to improve irrigation and agri- agricultural practices. Um, did you know that 70% of the world's fresh water is used for agriculture? Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> so if we can improve irrigation and not waste water there, um, we can help close supply and demand gaps. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk about appropriately pricing water. You know, there's the supply and demand theory. There's giving access to everyone theory. So there's a lot of debate about that. Of course, developing energy efficient desalination plants, that could be the key if someone can come up with that because there's plenty of ocean water. Mm. Um, Improve water catchment and harvesting. Pakistan and India are two countries that contend with some of the worst effects of climate change and they are overhauling their rainwater harvesting systems. So that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Shrink corporate water footprints, address pollution. We know that innovation, you know, research and development And helping the developing countries find some ways. Uh, Climate change mitigation. You know, things are, we've talked about this, I think, in some stories, um, how climate change is affecting water and then population growth because Mm -hmm. demand is increasing. And they think there could be a supply-demand gap of up to 65% by 2030. My goodness. Literally just, That's not that far away. No, no. Well, already, so it, you said. It, it, it gets our attention, doesn't it? It does. Some of those facts? Absolutely. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Yeah. I, I would think there's a lot of leakage as well. I, I know in the UK this is a real problem because a lot of the sewer, sewerage systems were built in the Victorian era, and they were very well built, I think, but not designed for what they're expected to cope with now. And, of course, these are hugely expensive to replace or maintain. Yes. I think there's a there's a major new tunnel system under London that's been put in place in recent years, but it's a problem in, in, in many, many places, I think, as well, actually, that, that leaking. Well, I think we need to do those things before we're in total crisis, which means we don't have that much time, according to the fact of, you know, 2030 could be uh, a bad time. Um so hopefully people people will take notice. Yeah. Um, the UN's message for World Water Day is that water can create peace or spark conflict. Mm. Um, when water is scarce or polluted or when everyone struggles for access, tensions can rise. 
So by cooperating on water, we can balance everyone's water needs and help to stabilize the world in one way. And, and this has been an issue in in conflicts, of, of course. Yes. I, mean, I, I think we mentioned uh, some weeks ago in the Ukraine war, there had been an attack on a major dam um, on the, is it the Dnieper River? I can't remember exactly what river it is. One of the major rivers, which had caused flooding up, uh, downstream, I believe, but also, of course, was affecting supply downstream. And, and a lot of these major rivers, of course, run through a number of countries. Mm-hmm. So you might right. be targeting um, your enemy, as it were, if you're in a war uh, yes. in a particular area, but potentially you're, you're affecting other, other nations as well and causing devastation beyond what, uh, what's imaginable. The flooding, of course, is, is, has got to be another, another major worry. You're saying about the number of global catastrophes. When we talk about climate change, that's probably one of the main fears as well, isn't it? Rising yes. water level, sea yes. levels. Um, a lot of coastlines and major settlements around coastlines, countries indeed, whole countries. Yes. Um, I'm thinking of the um, some of the island states in the Indian Ocean and so on, under threat, serious threat. If if sea levels rise another inch or two, there, there would be mass mass devastation. Right. So it doesn't need <laughs> too much uh, explanation for why this is such a critical topic. And on the Global Healing Response website, you have some wonderful resources there, don't you? Just. Just a quick, quick reminder of what folks might. Yes. So, yes, globalhealingresponse.com. The focus for this quarter is water. You will find those materials right on the front page to click through. And um, you can lead a healing event, um, as we've talked about. It's geared toward the labyrinth community a little bit, but any healing modality can use it. There is an intention. There is a meditation uh, ideas for ambiance. If you want to, if you want to provide a healing event, to concentrate on mm-hmm. the water crisis and water and healthy drinking water for all. Absolutely, and uh, inspiring it, just just for individual use as well. Like I, I yes, guess as well. if we all look at it and hold it in our hearts, um, it could be impactful. Absolutely, and what we're doing today, of course, is impactful. We know that. And as part of that, the sort of inspiration you 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 have there on global healing response website there are some beautiful quotes as well aren't they that that can really um i guess be inspiration you mentioned one or two to me yes 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 yes. (laughs) really inspiring yes um in one drop of water are found all the secrets of all the oceans Hmm. so that connects us globally and you know our listeners are global and, you know, where your water issues in your country might be different than our water issues, you know, we're, and I love the saying, we're across the pond, Clive, you and me. Yeah. Yeah. So we even talk about water then. Yeah. Water is the driving force of all nature, says Leonardo da Vinci. Mm, wow. Yeah. My- all the water that will ever be is right now, says the National Geographic. Wow. That's quite something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and especially all the fresh water, mm-hmm. we think of that need. But also the the salt water, um, well, and fresh water as well. But you know the the major rivers of the world, the canals, the seas, the oceans. Most of what is transported around the world 
goods mm-hmm. comes by sea. And as, as we know, there are crises in Panama Canal, for example, and yes. uh, obviously in the Suez and Gulf of Aden area with the Houthis um, at the moment, um, having major effects on uh, on the transportation or the ability to transport uh, freight around the world. So there, there's that aspect as well. It has so many implications, doesn't it? Every, every, yes. Everything. <laughs> Yes, and 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 we're gonna. I think we have a story in a little while about the release of carbon into the atmosphere. Yeah, by the fishermen, and we know, you know, you've heard islands of of trash that are out in the ocean that need to be cleaned up, and the the circle of life and the marine life that's being affected by all of that, and the implications for us because it's just you know we're all connected. Mm. We're all connected, and we all need water. So. Mm. And you mentioned there with the life cycle. I think you mentioned to me earlier when we were talking about uh, Jacques Cousteau had uh, mm-hmm. a bit of mm-hmm. that, didn't he? Yes. Uh, this idea that the life cycle of water is the life cycle. <laughs> we're all we forget that the water cycle and the life cycle are one, uh, says Jacques Cousteau. Yes. Wow. I remember when I was young, very young, actually, <laughs> Jacques Cousteau used to, used to have a wonderful uh, – TV program. Yes. Uh, be out on the, was it the Calypso? Oh, that's right. Yes. Where I got with that. his problem. daughter, right? He'd be with his daughter. Yeah, yeah. But that was probably one of my early mm-hmm. educations in what was going on in the oceans and how important mm-hmm. it was to protect and preserve them. And then here in the UK, we had David Attenborough talking about the Blue Planet many decades ago. So again, this is um, you know something that environmentalists and conservationists have been talking about for a long time now, and we, we do seem quite a long way behind in terms of what we're doing, in terms of conservation and so on. Yes. And uh, ac- providing access to clean water and tackling climate change, of course, as we mentioned, the, the impacts mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So, my goodness, I don't think you could have chosen perhaps, well, knowing you, you probably can, and we'll have another one next quarter, but uh, this certainly is a Absolutely critical theme, isn't it, uh, to, to yes. engage with? And I'm really moved. Um, I've brought it to different groups, and um, we've talked about it in the Labyrinth Activist Network. Mm. Um, and people are really moved and um, seem to take this seriously when we talk about it. So let's hope that continues and grows and awareness is abounding, especially on March 22nd. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll put links to to that, the, the World Water Day, mm-hmm. United Nations mm-hmm. Water Day, 22nd of March, and of course, to uh, to all the wonderful information you have on the Global Heating Response website, yes. along with a, a num- number of other links that uh, folks might like to, to look into. We'll put all of that in the show notes. Yes, and, and our listeners might want to go to our Facebook page and let us know how the water crisis has impacted you or, you know, what you're doing or what your thoughts are on this, because we, we do have a global audience and it would be interesting to hear around the world what Definitely. people's thoughts are. And I think another thing which hadn't really come home to me, although, you know, we, we've picked up on this before, but a lot of migration is happening or will happen, according to experts, because of the lack of water. So we mm. you mentioned countries that are in drought, um, agricultural uh, harvests are failing year on year. And yeah, it's almost a currency, isn't it? If, if you're in a country that's blessed with rich 
uh, probably relatively few of those rich um, freshwater supplies. Or your country, yes. like Singapore, a small, uh, highly populated country that has worked out how to address this, um, or seems to be on course for doing that. Then you know you hold a certain amount of power. I guess. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. uh, so yes. interesting. The United Nations is is talking about the the issues around peace or preventing conflict that will come if we can get cooperative um, action moving on uh, having access to to water, providing that to to all. Yes, and um, it, you know, twenty thirty is not that far away and i've heard people say that water will become more important than oil mm. soon mm. and that's that's really sobering yeah, it is me. it is yeah it's easy to see isn't it as well really yes. why, why mm -hmm. that may be so so my goodness yes definitely definitely a very important topic uh, not just for this quarter of course but but certainly especially this quarter is, is one chosen for a special focus Yes. So we have a suggested focus for our intention this week. And considering what you just said, Clive, the um, the peace dividend that can come through international cooperation on water, we suggest our focus for this week to be, we will that nations that depend on a shared source of water, such as a major river or lake, will be inspired to cooperate in ways that best conserve and share this vital resource. Mm -hmm. And we'll repeat that at the end. And of course, it will be in our show notes for us to hold during Absolutely. the week. Well, thank you so much. And uh, really encourage folks to engage with, with the Global Healing Response website, and particularly with this subject. Um, yes. I know uh, we're very passionate about Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're listening to Impact, a podcast for anyone who believes in making a difference in the world through prayer, healing, and sending intention out into the world. Join us as we focus attention on where healing is needed right now. Together, we change our world. So other stories that have caught our attention this week, and we're back in the Middle East with the Israel and Hamas conflict. Israel now switching its focus to the southern city in Gaza of Rafah. Following a disappointing mission to the Middle East by the US Secretary of State, um, reading my notes here, it says United States Secretary of State, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Blinken in which Israel rejected steps towards a peace plan. Israel is stepping up its military campaign and making this major city of Rafah its key focus. It's an area where over a million people are known to be sheltering and is also the main point of entry into Gaza for limited humanitarian aid. At the time of recording, we're now on the 14th of February, St. Valentine's Day, the patron state of loving kindness, I was saying in my meditation earlier. Uh, <laughs> yes, ending intention for you know goodwill to to all. Uh, the time is recording. According to Pal Palestinian health officials, more than a hundred civilians, including women and children, have been killed, and hundreds more wounded in at least forty significant airstrikes on residential homes and mosques in Rafah. While at least eleven members of the Israeli army had, had also been killed in an ambush by Hamas in the Calm Yunis area. 
Egypt has said that any operation in that area or mass displacement across the border would undermine its 40-year-old peace treaty with Israel. So this is a very significant turning point, potentially. And also very significant, Israel's traditional allies, particularly the United States, warning that a military push into Rafah without proper planning, really knowing who you're targeting, essentially, runs the risk of becoming a disaster. The UK and the EU are, among others, also urging Israeli President Netanyahu to de-escalate military action there. Jordan and other Arab nations also pressing for a peace settlement. So there's a good news, though, in the Ukraine and Russia. The UAE said it succeeded in mediating the release of 100 Russian prisoners of war in exchange for 100 war prisoners from the Ukrainian side. And in a Telegram post, Russia's defense ministry noted the UAE's humanitarian mediation, as did Ukrainian President Zelensky and the Ukrainian body overseeing exchanges of POWs. The emeritus news agency, WAM, said that UAE has made three mediation efforts between Russia and Ukraine this year, adding that it is calling for diplomacy dialogue and de-escalation. Well, I'm making some progress with this. The prisoners were sadly rare, but uh, thankfully good news coming out of Mm -hmm. what's Mm -hmm. happening there. Now, not so good. Uh, Moving to Mongolia now and a story that uh, had totally escaped my notice and indeed a condition, a weather or climate condition I'd never heard of before. Bitter winter in Mongolia at the moment, about 190,000 Herder households, that's more than a quarter of a million people, are struggling to have enough food, facing rising prices and other vulnerabilities due to an extreme climate condition known as, and I'm going to get the pronunciation wrong here, Dizud or Dizud, D-Z-U-D. This is according to your office of the United Nations coordinator in the country. Dizuts are an extreme condition unique to Mongolia, characterized by freezing temperatures and heavy snow that freezes uh, very in very thick layers so that animals cannot reach pasture. UNICEF also said that over 100,000 children have been affected as roads have been obstructed by heavy snow, meaning that they're unable to access vital health, nutrition, education, and social services. It says that immediate needs include funding for road cleaning, medicines, radios to support remote learning, and child protection. Mongolian government has activated its emergency operations centre, but many rural communities remain in urgent need of humanitarian assistance. I had not heard anything about this story. No. And um, another weather, water related with the snow and the ice. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yes. So I, I will definitely be holding these households. I didn't even realize... 190,000 herder households. I guess I never stopped to think about the fact that there were so many herder households in Mongolia. So that. No, no, I think it's still very much um, a lot of the population are still nomadic. Yes. Move around with their their animals. Um, But if they cannot access pasture and they cannot, uh, you know, they're they're disconnected from elsewhere, this is, is, is is a huge. A huge problem, obviously. Well, moving to the U.S., 
we have a good news water-related story. So contrary to the main trend across much of the USA, one rural Montana county is protecting and distributing its groundwater to good effect. Sheridan County began studying its groundwater supply in 1978, long before state monitoring began. And then in 1996, the district was granted a water reservation, that is water allocated for future use from the state, which meant it could take a certain share of water from its natural clear lake aquifer. Because of all the data it gathered through studying its groundwater, the district developed a unique way of using and distributing that water. The initiative was both intentional and collaborative involving farmers, tribes, and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, working together to ensure that water can be used by those who need it without negatively impacting the environment. That's a good combination. Mm -hmm. After nearly 30 years, the plan has clearly worked. The Conservation District now uses its aquifer to irrigate crops, providing jobs, and keeping agricultural dollars within their community. So the scheme has apparently attracted very few complaints. <laughs> I should I should hope not. <laughs> Definitely sounds as though there's a, a real uh, model example there in Montana. Yes, I hope it can get benchmarked by other communities. Yes, yes, absolutely. And the collaboration and really using the data in a, in a, yes. a sensible way. That, that's, that's wonderful. A lot to learn, I would imagine, mm-hmm. from their experience. Uh, again, we're on the water, this time, um, sadly, another story involving migrants, this time in the Mediterranean, a boat carrying migrants from Tunisia is believed towards Italy is missing, at least at the time of this recording. At least 17 Tunisians who were on this boat heading towards the Italian coast are missing, according to the Tunisian National Guard. The missing include a five-year-old child that had set off from Bizert, uh, a port in northern Tunisia last week. Coast Guard and Navy forces, also supported by a helicopter, are involved in the search operation, but um, a very, very difficult operation given the, the scale, the size of the, the area that uh, they're covering. Mm-hmm. Well, now over to uh, Colombia. There's a promise of peace between Colombian government and a rebel group. I think this is a very interesting story. Colombia's government and a dissident faction of the former FARC rebel group known as the Second Marcatalia said on Friday they have started a peace process. In a joint statement, the two sides outlined plans to create border peace zones that could help to stimulate economies there. The rights of the population in general and of the ethnic peoples in particular in these zones are respected and guaranteed, they said. The government of leftist president, Gustavo Petro, is aiming for total peace, to put an end to six decades of internal armed conflict that has claimed more than 450,000 lives. Though most members of the FARC demobilized under a 2016 peace deal, two major factions rejected the deal and continued to engage in drug trafficking and illegal mining, according to security forces. Mm. Well, yeah, a, a really incredible story, that one, isn't it? That, uh, yes, really hopeful. Yeah, very hopeful. 
Now, here's a story that, uh, again, missed my attention until it uh, has, has developed, really. And it occurred a couple of weeks ago. This is a landslide in southern Philippines where the death toll and horror of the aftermath is is now becoming known. At least 55 bodies have so far been retrieved from the ground where the landslide occurred, massive landslide, on the 6th of February in Barangay Masara, which is in Marco de Veo de Ora uh, region in the Philippines. An army-supported search and rescue operation continues. The town's government said on Monday that 32 injured people have been rescued. As I say, this story didn't uh, feature on my radar when I, when I sort of regularly am trawling what's going on in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the news. And that may be in part because the impact of the landslide wasn't known at the time, and so it wasn't being generally reported, at least outside of the Philippines, as far as I'm aware. Reminded to me that catastrophes such as this often do happen and not receive any or indeed much visibility in the news. And it can be sometimes weeks or even months or years later that the true impact, uh, the aftermath is is really known. This this kind of reminds me of um, the story I told about the global healing response, that when I started it and we were responding to disasters or emergencies, it would happen, you know, every six mm. months or so. And then these types of emergencies and even um, shootings and, you know, wars, they just started happening too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And they do fall by the side because <laughs> there's just so many of them. Yes. You can't keep yes. up with them all. Yes. Yeah, my goodness. So here's the story um, about the ocean I referred to before. In um, Forbes reported a couple of weeks ago, the controversial practice of dragging weighted nets along the ocean floor, sometimes known as bottom trawling, could be responsible for a significant source of carbon pollution, according to a new study. The study conducted by a team of climate and ocean experts from Utah State University, NASA Goddard Institute of Space Studies, the University of California, Santa Barbara, Columbia University, James Cook University, and National Geographic Pristine Seas, that's a lot of people working together, mm. found that between 55 to 60% of the carbon dioxide produced underwater by bottom trawling enters the atmosphere within nine years. It estimates the practice means that up to 370 million metric tons of carbon dioxide are being released into the atmosphere each year. And that trawling in East China, the Baltic, North Sea, and Greenland Sea, they have the largest impact on the climate. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. I don't know if you remember a story we talked about a few weeks ago about there are some fish that come up at night and eat some of the carbon, and then they take it down. Yes. And we kind of store it. So this, I guess, would negate their work, I think they're saying. Yes, yes it sounds like it, doesn't it? My goodness. Uh, we'll need a lot of them all over the place too. Yes. Yeah, my goodness, my goodness. Yes. Wow. So that's scary. It is indeed. So some general thoughts, general reflections on these stories. Let's first of all, um, there's been a lot happening this week to be, be grateful for. So let's take time to offer great gratitude for more than a a couple of good news stories this week. The prisoner swap being carried out between, well, has been carried out between Russia and Ukraine. 
and the diplomatic efforts there of the UAE. Uh, the real model example of the Montana County that's showing how water conservation can be done. And this uh, peace deal between Colombia and the second Marcatalia rebel group. Meanwhile, let us will that all who have influence in Israel's military decision-making will be moved to consider the pleas of its international allies to carefully consider the wisdom of an all-out attack on Rafa. Intend that those in positions of command in Mongolia's emergency operations center and in the Barangay and Masara region of the Philippines will have wisdom to know best where to direct assistance and resources to help those most in need of aid in the face of the effects of the desert condition and following the devastating landslide that threatens the lives of thousands. We also keep the plight of the missing migrants in the Mediterranean on our hearts, willing that the search and rescue services launched from Tunisia will be directed to the boat. May it be so. May it be so. And finally, a good news story to end with, a good news water-related story to end with. In California, two exciting new bills were introduced this week that will ban the use of plastic bags by grocery stores and stores selling food. Since the passage of the nation's first statewide plastic bag ban 10 years ago, thicker plastic bags, and they're touted as reusable, are not being recycled and continue to pollute waterways, the environment, and communities. So this legislation tightens standards for reusable bags and requires stores to provide 100% recycled bags, paper bags, or allow consumers to use reusable bags. However, in a learning and warning, the Los Angeles Times on Monday reported the tonnage of plastic bags skyrockets since the 2014 law came into force. And by 2022, the tonnage of discarded plastic bags had risen by 47%. Even accounting for an increase in the population, the number rose from 4.08 tons per 1,000 people in 2014 to 5.89 tons per 1,000 people in 2022. So citing data from consumer advocacy group CalPIRG, C-A-L-P-I-R-G, the reason was that the law allowed thicker plastic bags deemed reusable and recyclable to be purchased by consumers, but many of these did not end up in the recycling stream. And the new law this week aims to reverse that trend. Mm, Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. I know here in the UK, um, many of the big shops, I think probably all shops now, for quite some time have charged. It's a small charge for plastic bags. Um, And it has, myself included, (laughs) encouraged a lot of people to reuse. But it just occurred to me from this story and what the Los, Los Angeles Times has been reporting that when you are using your so-called bag for life, uh, <laughs> most of the bags I use are not going to last that long, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are this much thicker plastic. And yes, you may well be reusing them quite a number of times. But if they're not ending up in the recycling uh, bins, and, and sometimes that's because local authorities are saying we don't take this type of plastic, um, so they go to landfill or whatever, we are perhaps blindly ignoring this problem that, you know, the, the tonnage of plastic ending up is is possibly worse than it was before. 
So it's, it's really, really interesting what's come out of this, isn't it? Really fascinating. Yes, and, and, and I really wonder if COVID has set us back on this too, because I remember we were really talking about this right before COVID hit. I mean, mm-hmm. we were even talking about plastic straws, right? Yeah. And then um, when we were all hit by COVID, it seemed like all of that kind of went away, all that concern. That was not at the top of our list. No. So maybe we just need to be reminded. Um, I think if people know these facts, if they, this is an easy thing to do something mm. about, right? This is easy to correct and yes. to put put your bags in the recycling or use your reusable bags and keep them in the back of your car so that you can. This isn't hard. Mm. We, we can turn this one around. Absolutely. And and to keep keep the effect of a law, you know, this 2014 law in California under review. Is it working? Mm-hmm. And over mm-hmm. a period of time, you know, actually, uh, in this case, clearly there's there's um, scope for which they've responded to to their credit yes. to uh, to do more. Yes, that about wraps it up for this week. Remember, you can connect with us in the Facebook group and for live intention holding in Clive's daily insight timer offerings, and with me in the Labyrinth Activist Network's Zoom calls. Details of how to hook up with these are in our show notes. And don't forget our main intention for this week. We will that nations that depend on a shared source of water, such as a major river or lake, will be inspired to cooperate in ways that best conserve and share this vital resource. We will look forward to connecting again next time. And in the meantime, thank you, go well, stay safe. And remember, we're more powerful together. Impact is presented by Ellen Vince and Clive Johnson and produced by Impact Productions. Our theme music is by Chris Collins and our logo artwork is by Auto Classic. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible or your favourite podcast provider. We're a non-commercial podcast dedicated to people of any faith tradition or none who yearn for healing in our troubled world. Please pass on the word so others may join us in making an impact. Thank you for listening.